Okay. Well, I'm still in. Cruz, how about you? Maybe I should fold. Well, let me see. Let me see first. No, not with a hand like that. Come on. Dare me. Go on. Bluff me. Come on. How much should I bet? If it were me, I'd bet everything. But that's me. I'm an aggressive gambler. Mr. Vegas. <laughs> Come on. Go for it. Go for it. Yes, yes. There we go. I'm in. <clears throat> what do you got? Well, I got a full house. Three threes and two sixes. That's a full house. What have you got? Well, you have fours, I got an ace. You got an ace, and got an eight, and a seven. Well, you lose, you see. If you would have had four fours, you would have won. <laughs> You're getting good at this, aren't you? Hang on, but... You like it? Isn't this fun? You're pretty good for first time, really. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Pausable Deniability, the show co-hosted by me, but mainly hosted by the great David Miller, Millerman. And we have a very special guest tonight, Millerman, don't we? Millerman's laying out because you gave him such a high-end introduction. I kind of thought your show was shared. So you're saying that Millerman is the one that drives the bus and you're just yes, it's shotgun? Yes, po- it's his podcast. I'm just like Andy Richter. Like, I'm just the sidekick. So this is basically just assume the juxtaposition monthly. <laughs> Yes, pretty much, pretty much. That voice you're hearing, folks, is Junior Lopez, a.k.a. Mexican Junior, and we're having him on because the episode's topic is gambling. Which Bob is an expert on. Bob, can you tell us your vast poker knowledge? I'm terrible. I don't, I'm not good at poker or cards. All I do if I ever gamble is on sports and I always lose. So I'm not. Now the two other hosts of the tonight, Millerman and and Junior are excellent gamblers, excellent poker players. I would not say that. They've won thousands and thousands of dollars over the years. I've lost more thousands than I've won. Yeah, yeah. Especially I, after I think, this year. Yeah, I'm with. Matter I'm of fact, on this. they have proffered off each other's winnings. So <laughs> well, that was kind of a one way street, though. Yeah, no, I was about to say no. <laughs> I've I have definitely profited off Junior. Junior has made shit off of me. So <laughs> yeah, that um, had a lot of uh, remorse on making that little deal at the beginning of that tournament, just flopping over a thousand dollars or however much it was listen, to Millerman, here, so he can go and waste it on Pi Gal. We we. <laughs> <laughs> we we just need to play more in the same tournament. That's how this split works, right? That's how you make your money. So um, maybe next time a, a 2% equity share <laughs> a versus switch. a 25%. Oh, that's fine with me. I mean, you'll just never get your money back. I'm, I'm way ahead in this deal. I'm good. So uh, maybe the place for us to start is how did each of you start really getting into and enjoying cards and poker and all that stuff? Like Millerman, did your dad... Dad, did he teach you how to play or, or how did you really start getting into it? Now, when I was a kid, my uh, my family didn't really didn't do anything like that. If if anything, we would get together on like Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays uh, and do play a game called 31. And I can't even remember how to play that game, but I know that we would play for money. And even as like a five, six, seven year old kid, I loved it because anytime I could win, that was that was a thing. And Spin then off uh, of 31 pickup where you would just have to pick up 31 of the cards. Just, just 31 and not 52. Right. <laughs> was it any Anything like Pinochle? I don't ever played that. I don't have any idea. What is that? Is that a card game? Don't have any idea. Or is that P- when your finger? Pinochle has a special deck, and like there is instead of like four of each kind of card, there's like multiple variants of each kind of card. So there can be eight aces in play at once. It's a very I weird game that I, I have know. no yeah, idea how to true. play. Yeah, but I, I think I, I think it, it requires a special deck specifically to play it because it you can have more 
than four aces going at once and stuff like that. It's almost like a two deck game. When I got into high school, some buddies of mine, we would get together on Saturday nights, uh, drink beer and play cards. And Wait, it would drink be beer in whatever. high school? Millerman, yeah. what, uh, what country did you grow up in? And just, uh, just start, just start playing what a like bad influence any, any stuff. <laughs> and, and, you know, but then it, then it actually grew and we were playing, I mean, we were playing for, you know, hundred bucks a weekend, stuff like that, which was big money back then when I was in high school, for sure. So Millerman, you succumbed to peer pressure. You were drinking underage. You were gambling illegally. <laughs> I'm sure whatever yeah. high school home game this was, was taking a rake of some sort. Now, which Boy Scout yeah. badges were you earning with these activities? Well, you're learning, you're learning math skills, you're learning, <laughs> you know, things like that. I'm sure there was definitely something we could hand eye coordination. <laughs> um, and then honestly, I didn't, I didn't truly get into it. And I'm, I'm just like the vast majority of poker players. I didn't truly get into it until the moneymaker effect. I 2003 watching, World know, Series was, of Poker. I was watching the World Series of Poker and watching this guy, Chris Moneymaker, and then uh, started playing on Poker Stars. And that was that was really it for the next couple of years. Next few years, I played so much on Poker Stars, it was ridiculous. And it sounds like such a fake name to it Chris Moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's it was like, actually his real name, and he he is credited by most it's like, as being it's like a wrestler being named Steve Chokehold. Yeah. Like it's not yeah, yeah. Johnny Football, which I guess yeah. there was a real Johnny Football. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was basically the catalyst that made the poker boom kind of explode to where, you know, usually the World Series of Poker would have maybe a couple of thousand entrants and then all of a sudden it's got like 10,000 entrants or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, the year Moneymaker won was like 978 or 987 entrants or something like that. And then the next year it was 2,500 and then it was 6,000 and then it was 10,000 and it just grew. And and the Moneymaker effect is a real thing. and I mean, it certainly certainly worked for me. Was he a um, contemporary of Stu Unger? No, no Stu no, Unger was no. way earlier. Stu Unger was big in the 80s and Moneymaker won in well, early but, 2000s. But Unger won in 97. He yeah, oh, that's right. Um, his, his second yeah. one. Oh, he like had his, a big Like his first yeah. title. Third. His first, yeah, like one of his first titles was like in 1980. And then his well, last Doyle one was like in, in 97. Doyle won in 80, 79 and 80 and, and finished third in 81 to Unger. So Unger, okay. he did one of those Jack Nicholas master wins, like at 46 kind of thing where he, even yeah. though he was still a young guy, like when he won, when Unger won his first title, he was a really young guy. And it, apparently he blew all of his money on, you know, drugs and alcohol and gambling to the point where when he lost, when he won his last title at the world series of poker, he had no nose left. He had, it was a very Michael Jackson like <laughs> scenario. Well, already Lang cocaine. Up. Yeah. He had cocaine his nose clear off had got Johnny Wyatt. Now, when did Helmuth, when did uh, Hologram Cyborg Helmuth show up? Was that 89, maybe? 89. Yeah, so Johnny Chan won in 87, 88, and finished second to Helmuth in 89. Which is a an incredible run for Johnny Chan. First, first, sure. second. That's I think, one of the most I think impressive looking back, ones. Though, I think looking at the history, I think one of the one of the bigger ones that you have to, to say is Dan Harrington. Uh, winning in, in, what was it? Uh, 95, 95, maybe? Yeah, 95 and then going back to back final table after the moneymaker effect. And this is a guy who's in 
his 60s at that point. I mean, that's just a, an incredible feat. And was Amarillo um, slim involved at that point? No, he was big in know. the 70s, but yeah. What about the 70s and Johnny Carson? I know that's your only reason for knowing who Amarillo <laughs> slim is, is from Johnny Carson. So yeah, Moneymaker was the first guy that was just an average Joe, won his entry into the World Series of Poker playing online back when online poker was big with poker stars and full tilt and all that kind of stuff, party poker. And uh, he took his online win and turned it into one of the biggest upsets in, I guess, World Series of Poker history. Nobody, No one had ever even heard of him. And here he is knocking out all of these professionals. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people think that a lot of his run was luck. But there, if you go back and look at some of the, the highlights in some of that video, a lot of it was skill, too. He was making some very calculated bluffs. Yeah, he had his, great his decision bluffs. making. Yeah, I think there was only one bluffs, time. Good laydowns, and he did get lucky a couple times. But, yeah, the, the, but the one sure. against Phil Ivey was the one I I can recall where he 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 uh he had a, a really bad beat at go against Phil Ivey to get him knocked out. I think right like he right. uh like rivered a full house against uh what Phil Ivey had that was better. I forgot what it was, but uh, that was the only hand that I can recall where he really sucked out on the river against somebody. And was and Money Maker see... was that when they started televising the World Series of Poker and like Norman Chad and all that stuff, or was that later? It was that was the first year when they had the the edited version like that where they where they ran the entire series they had started running the they started running preliminary events and they started running all the events leading up to it there had been televised events prior to that and the world series had been filmed before but never with whole cards or anything like that to the effect or to the extent that it was that that year with moneymaker and then from there it, the coverage just got more extensive yeah to the, the point the now where they they're doing live video feeds basically and they don't even do the edited versions anymore. You used to get World Series of Poker highlights in hour blocks where they would kind of jump from table to table and show you, oh, okay, this was a big hand and this professional just got knocked out. Now it's all a live stream basically where they just run nonstop uh, and showing what's going on in real time. And honestly, I miss that that those those edited one hour shows where like they would take a, a, a an odd event like they, nobody really plays like Deuce to Seven Triple Draw and, and create a storyline out of that. I really enjoyed that stuff and I had read that Poker Go was going to was going to try to start doing that and I haven't I haven't seen anything like that come out but I always enjoyed watching Yeah, that. I preferred the uh the edited block. Somebody has time to watch, you know, eight uh yeah. big blind raises in a row get laid down. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, with... it's it it draws it out for so long. I mean, some of them are interesting. I do I do kind of like watching like uh the heads up matches that they have like Helmuth versus Negrano or something like that. But otherwise, it's just yeah, give me a give me a show. Give me something that's built to show the drama and cut out all the crap and give me the highlight. So Junior, tell us a little bit about your actual attempt at the World Series of Poker this year. You went, it's been about a month ago, almost. Give us the story, start to finish. Let's fill, fill up. We got lots of content we need to fill. So, <laughs> Well, first of all, let me kind of do my backstory, kind of like Millerman did about how he oh, yes. Yes, you yes. Know, be, got into poker and stuff. So when I was a kid, uh, I would uh, you know spend time with my family and uh, we would play cards. We would play, you know, five card draw poker. And that's kind of where I learned, you know, what hand beats what hand and you know, all of the basic 
you know, fundamentals of poker. But I never was it your get... dad was it mainly your dad that no, taught you? No, actually, it was probably my cousins and my uncles and aunts uh, were really the people that would kind of you know play games like that with me. That's where I also learned how to play chess and play checkers. You know, it was there was basically time kills whenever they were tasked with having to take care of me when I was little. Ah. Um, and so that was just one of the many ways, you know, go fish and things like that. Uh, you know, blackjack, all of those kind of things. That's where I kind of learned the fundamentals of cards. But I didn't actually learn how to play Texas Hold'em until 2005 when I was uh, working in El Paso on a very, very uh, high profile movie called Santos <laughs> with the great Carlos Corral directing. Um, so I was helping him, uh, you know, kind of do the film crew thing, holding boom mics and things like that and helping with actor direction. Uh, but at night after the filming was done, um, this was uh, during a time when I was unemployed too. man, the time that I was unemployed, I, I know, Bob, you've already had like seven or eight uh, unemployment stints. So it's old hat <laughs> to you. But it was the first time that I was unemployed for an extended period of time. I was unemployed for about six months. I basically milked my unemployment until it ran out before I said, okay, now it's time to get a job. But in that time frame, uh, I did so many trips, you know, just basically burned through all my severance, burned through all of my contractor work money. Uh, I went to Canada, I went to Niagara Falls, I went to LA, and then I spent those two weeks in El Paso. And uh, after we would get done filming, uh, they, there was a couple of guys that were there that would get a, a poker game going and they were playing Texas Hold'em. And I was like, well, I don't really know how to play. And they were playing for money. They were doing tournaments, uh, usually 10 or $20 buy-in. I was like, well, you know, I don't really want to spend money unless, you know, I know how to play. And they said, well, we'll kind of teach you the ropes and, you know, we'll play a couple of practice hands to get you an understanding of the game. And uh, once that happened and I started playing tournaments, we would play maybe three or four tournaments tonight and uh it i got hooked man i i was i couldn't wait to get done filming that stupid movie to get to the after party and throw you know 50 dollars down on uh on those tournaments at night and then that, that basically started my whole journey to the the no limit hold'em version of poker um I, I went back and this was since this was 2005 the money maker stuff had already happened so i would watch uh the world series of poker highlights from 2003 2004 which i think was that the raymer year i think Greg Raymer, right? Who I met uh, when I was in Vegas last time. Yeah, he looked uh, thrilled, by the way. Yeah, he was not very happy. <laughs> he looked extremely whipped. Uh, but he, at least he didn't say anything that made it appear to be whipped. I mean, he, you could tell in his eyes because he, he was all masked up, but at least his, the, the words that came out of his mouth were very pleasant. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I watched that and then I watched, you know, the 2005 highlights, 2006, and all the way up through the Jamie Gold uh, World Series of Poker win. I think that's probably after that is probably when I stopped, you know, paying attention so much to the World Series of Poker coverage. Um, but yeah, that that whole scenario got me hooked on on the game. And then I went and I started playing online. Uh, I was I had a Poker Stars account. I had a Full Tilt account. I had a Party Poker account until that went under. I think that was one of the first dominoes to fall of the of the big online poker site. And then. Um, like a lot of people, I had money in my Full Tilt and PokerStars accounts when uh, everything got shut down, whatever year that was, maybe 2009, maybe. Yeah, I was going to ask you about 2012. that. 2012. How, how, much, how much did you have seized? Uh, I mean, I only had a couple of hundred dollars in, in my accounts. Millerman, did time. you lose money in that, in that shutdown as well? 
I mean, I eventually got it back. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think everything was at that time, everything was really done through PayPal. So eventually uh, the money got moved from those accounts into PayPal and then PayPal back to me. For um, me, I never, I, I mean, I, I tried to play on full tilt and party and ultimate bet and some of the others. And I just never liked the interface. I liked PokerStars interface and it had more of the non Hold'em games. So I'm the guy that likes to play Raz and uh, Omaha and and Stud 8 or Better is one of my favorite games and stuff like that. So I like those other games and you could always find those. You you could find more competition on PokerStars than you could on any of the other sites. And on PokerStars too, I remember they had a lot more rewards for playing. Like uh, you would get points and you could turn those points into like uh, t-shirts and jerseys. And like I had a like a hockey PokerStars jersey uh, that I ended up uh, getting off of those reward points and it, they they made it uh, they made really nice incentives to stay on and, and lose your money slowly now the good yeah. thing about poker stars and full tilt is you know the the blind levels uh if you were playing cash games i mean they went all the way down to one cent and two cents so you could you know you could milk five dollars and you could have you know weeks months of just playing those really low level stakes while still accruing points for playing uh they and obviously there was rakes and stuff going on in there too but um they made it really easy to keep playing and then eventually you know once you you have a certain amount of money in there you can play some of their daily tournaments they had tournaments going all the time and at that time i was more of a tournament player than i was a cash game player i didn't really play a lot of cash game poker until way way later i i coming coming through like my poker journey i went from uh you know playing online to doing a lot of and i think millerman is kind of similar i played a lot of bar uh poker tournaments at that time when poker was really big and it was being televised a lot a lot of bars were were having poker tournaments to get people to come in spend money (laughs) things like that and uh i i I played a lot of tournament poker at bars and you know buffalo wild wings had tournaments and you know all of these other places that you go and eat and have a drink and stuff like that strip clubs they all had them ways to get you in the door i was i was playing in a lot of um illegal underground tournaments in dallas do i need to Uh, edit this out millerman no i mean it was <laughs> the thing. Statue yeah, there of, were of limitations has passed yeah there were there were a lot of them there were I, I played in a bunch of games in in richardson addison uh i played in in i played in games where they would have uh topless dealers like that was supposed to be a nice draw and now and aren't those legal as long as they're not deal. taking some sort of a cut no i mean they're the at the time no one was doing anything like that and now what you're talking about is is games where there's like a there's like a, uh, they're not taking a cut of the fees, but they're charging you to sit down per hour and stuff like that. Yeah, so, and they charge you a membership fee and a daily deal. But those are fee. legal, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, it's you would you really have to play a lot of hands to be able to make up the difference of sitting there and losing eight dollars or ten dollars an hour. I mean, if you sit there and you just wait for good hands, you're just you know you're bleeding out uh, from your you know two three hundred dollar buy in if you're sitting there losing you know $10 an hour plus you know poker is such a game of patience at least for me yeah but yeah uh I I was more of a tournament guy it sounds like Millerman was more of a cash game guy probably well no I mean there were a lot of those tournaments and that was what I was playing was a lot of the a lot of the tournaments when the tournaments were done I would play cash um but you know so when I I, like I said like the deal that you and I had and we'll talk about it in a minute but the deal that you and I had where where we took a percentage of 
of each other when we were in Vegas. I started that with a guy that I played with here locally that we actually met online on PokerStars. We, if if you if you remember back in the early days of PokerStars, it would tell you what city you could put what city you were in, and it would show you on your on your on your icon or whatever uh, what city. And there was this guy, and I was playing, and his said Dallas, and mine said Dallas, and we started trash talking each other, <laughs> and then we ended up. Turns out that he lived in in uh, McKinney, and I lived over in the colony, and so we met up and went to some games in Richardson. And was there any tension since you guys were trash talking each other? On- no, I mean, it became friendly. It became real friendly. We started chatting with each other, and and uh, you know, then then it just became uh, a good friend, good poker friend, and and still still play to this day. I I was I was at uh, Choctaw with him uh, about a month and a half or so ago, and and went up there when the world when the world poker tour was there no invite uh, actually you were, you were <laughs> yeah it's funny too like uh some of the games that millerman is talking about where they were kind of underground illegal games um bob if you'll remember big dave used to do some of those kind of tournaments where you basically go to a warehouse yeah they get raided <laughs> he got raided yeah. one of them yeah got so that was, that's what i was gonna say so in one of those instances where he went to go play one of those underground games uh that location got raided and actually was featured on an episode of swat yeah, so, Dallas yeah. SWAT. so the poker game that got raided was actually televised and you can see poor big dave being let out in handcuffs <laughs> with his face All blurred probably walked up yeah Pour one out for big dave Stay hard, yeah, big so, dave. but yeah uh big dave actually uh was a huge poker player as well he was probably more into poker than i was uh during was that time good? so yeah yeah big dave had a funny philosophy you know he would if he was playing tournaments he would always say the the first the first buy-in is always just to uh test the test the room and to kind of establish his personality he didn't take it seriously until his second buy-in so he always made sure to not play freeze-out tournaments where you only get one he always liked to kind of you know be aggressive and kind of bully the table knowing that eventually he was going to get caught and then once he realized how people were going to react to his aggression the second buy-in is and that's that's the one he said that's the one that really counts it's kind of like me with bowling the first the first (laughs) game of bowling is just practice just to kind of get a feel for the lane the second game is the one that counts <laughs> that that was his philosophy when it came to poker and came to tournaments but he actually got me set up on a lot of home games he got me set up on tournaments and then uh when i was working at uh real page there was a lot of people that played poker there and i got hooked up with some of their home games and then eventually a lot of us uh, established our own games where we were playing really low stakes tournaments um and that lasted for a really long time so what about uh the world series of poker let's talk a little bit about your trip there so yeah the reason that whole trip came about was uh, there is a, a group of friends that I play with, you know, usually weekly, they have cash games uh, that decided this year, since last year was COVID kind of C-blocked everything, uh, they were going to do a trip. And I think they had done the trip, you know, years prior to the last to this year. Um, but uh, they were they were Jones in the go and they had already uh, found some deals on Southwest. Uh, like uh, all of a sudden they had flash sales to Vegas. So they were letting everybody know, hey, uh, you know, we're going to be setting up this uh, World Series of Poker trip. Uh, we've 
we're, we're already scoping out Airbnb. So we're going to have that covered. You just have to pay your share of, you know, what, however many people are staying there. And uh, we have the Southwest deals that are going on right now, if you're interested. So I ended up, you know, booking a flight, you know, round trip to Vegas for like 150 bucks or something really cheap. Uh, and then the Airbnb that they established was really, really nice. It's, well, the first iteration of it anyway. Um, so the, everything seemed lined up perfectly for me to just say, oh, hey, I'll tag along. And if it's going on during the World Series of Poker, you know, I had never been there during that time. I was always kind of intimidated, you know, by how big the buy-ins are. And, you know, the main event is 10 grand. You know, I, I had never thought, you know, that I would ever get to a point where I would actually be comfortable paying that much. But it was the, the week that we were staying there was the week of my birthday. So I thought, okay, everything is lining up to where, you know, it's telling me I should go and I should at least kind of do a bucket list a scratch off and play the World Series of Poker, play the main event. You know, I'm, it's only going to be, you know, one time. Uh, it's going to be during my birthday. Uh, it, the stars kind of lined up for it. So I ended up going and uh, the, the World Series of Poker main event started Thursday, the day, I think it was the day before my birthday. And uh, But I was going to be there an entire week from Saturday to Saturday. And I said, well, let me go ahead and play some of the, because the World Series of Poker, there's hundreds of tournaments going on. Uh, so it's not just the $10,000 main event. You have $600 buy-in tournaments that can get you a bracelet, you know, $1,000 buy-in tournaments, all these different variants of poker too. Like Millerman was saying, Omaha, Raz, all of these different, you know, five card draw, seven card stud, things like that. Um, so I decided, okay, well, let me get my feet wet and play some of these lower buy-in amount tournaments at the World Series. And uh, I played the $600 deep stack tournament and I only lasted about seven hours in a three-day tournament. So that was my first indication that things were not going to go so well for me. Uh, and Did you say that was a deep no. snap tournament? Like deep the skin Lanons were running it? <laughs> no, nice. the deep stack okay. tournament. Okay. So so a couple of questions. So you so you were at the Rio, which this was the last year that it was supposed to be at, or is going to be at the Rio. So yeah, and our, our Airbnb was very, very close to the Rio. It was maybe 10 minutes from there too. All right. So it made it very so convenient. The So the room that you were in, were you in the Amazon room when you were playing your, your uh, tournament? Do you remember? I want to say it started with a B. Uh, Brazil or something the like Brasilia. that. The Brasilia. Yeah, the Brasilia yeah. room. I want to say I was in that one. Uh, but hardwood, hardwood floors, no doubt, in that <laughs> in that room. No, no, yeah. no carpet. Shape clean. Uh, so yeah, uh, in, in that tournament, I ended up going all in. I, I want to say I flopped two pair, and uh, I ended up losing to a straight on the river. The guy had ace jack, and I think the flop was like king queen ace or something like that. And uh, the ten ended up showing up on the river. So uh, I. I knew at that point I was like, okay, then you know, nothing I could do. I had to get my money in while I was good. That that that's really the whole goal when it comes to playing poker. Get your money in with the best hand, regardless of the you know the cards to come. And that's always that the holds. goal of everybody's yeah. you know decision making when it comes to at least I think it is. Uh, get your money in good, and I, I got my money in good, so I didn't feel too bad about it. And, you know, six hundred dollars down the drain, but you know it was a good experience. I was like, okay, well, uh, a couple of days after that was the mini main, which was a thousand dollar buy-in it's like okay well i didn't feel bad about my decision making in the deep stack so i said okay let me try the mini main and that's another you know three-day tournament uh you know 
eight or 12 hour sessions every day. And uh, I only lasted about three hours in that tournament. And in that one, I flopped top set. I flopped a set of jacks, but uh, the whole board was all hearts. So I went all in trying to protect my hand, trying to get out anybody that had draws. And a a guy stayed in uh, with a 10-6 of hearts and had flopped the flush. And I had raised pre-flop too. It's not like I was just, you know, slow playing a set of pair of jacks or something. You know, I I bet at least four times the big blind pre-flop. And then I went all in after the flop, but it was already too late. I was hoping for the board to pair on the turn and river didn't come. So again, uh, that one, even though I didn't get my money in good, my I felt like that was the right decision. I mean, it's very rare for somebody to, I would think, stay in on something like that um, and hit their flush right on the right on the flop. But after that, I was like, okay, well, maybe this is not my week to flop another 10 grand <laughs> on the main event. So I said, you that know was, what? I'm, that, you were getting all the bad luck out of the way. That's what I was trying to tell him. Yeah, you got yeah. to do for a big win. You should have done yeah, it. I was due for, I was definitely due for more losses. You know what I think it is? Uh, in 2019, which was the year that I, you know, shared my winnings with Millerman, I, I ran extremely well that year. I think I was a plus 5,000 something dollars that year, all combined for the year, cash games, tournaments, the Vegas trip, I was probably up, you know, at two grand, two, two or three grand just in that trip alone. And I think I used up all of my good luck and good running on cards that year because in 2020, which was a year that was mainly online poker um, because of COVID, uh, I was like minus 600 last year. And after that trip to Vegas this year, I'm probably down about three grand uh, in losses this year. So I will. I I think I think I am evening out from that plus 5,000 in 2019 to where I will eventually break even in a three year span. Well, talking about that trip to Vegas, we took a trip to Vegas. So we went and it was uh, we had had our buddy Gary there and and uh, we went we were playing at the Aria. Yes, that was we were at the Aria. And so it was what a I don't remember 300 $350 buy in. It's a pretty pretty stark environment. Uh, I actually want to say it was about you say stupid well, i mean she did kill the the snow king or whatever his name just, is just let it go bob just let it go you're not participating in this podcast just let it go you're fine <laughs> oh man i thought she was uh, yeah, the one I, that I, had no name it's the girl that has no name bucks, whatever it was <laughs> as the buy-in um and and i had mentioned to you that when i play tournaments with another buddy of mine if we're in the same tournament we take a piece of each other we each get 25 percent. that way if if one of us makes the money then uh um, great. And if both of us make the money even better, we're just, we're just, uh, I've been taking. meaning to ask about that Millerman. So to be honest with you, the only reason I made that, that blood pact with you was because I thought you were a better tournament player than I was. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be the one that's going to be benefiting from this. Cause I'll probably sure. get knocked out. Sure. You wanted, to, you wanted to ride that pony. I got so it. I want, yeah. <laughs> I so it. I definitely wanted to ride your coattails, but yeah. had we both made the money, how would the split have worked? Would we just say, oh, okay, we both made the money. So we're just going to keep what we have. Or was I going to take 25% of whatever you took and you were going to take 25% of whatever I took? If we both make the money, then then the person who gets the higher amount, we just split the difference. So it's 25% of whatever the difference is, is how we normally do it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Virginia, that, are you that, saying that Millerman has exaggerated his skill level and that he's actually not anywhere near as no, good I as No, I still believe that Millerman is a better poker player than I am. At least I more don't believe that one. at all. I, I, I watched you at that table and, and you know, a big, a big part of that too is is you ran well you you did really well in that tournament and and 
And uh, I mean, I I think I I think I busted out like eight or nine from the money. Yeah, and I was gonna were, say yeah. it it that scenario was very close to playing out where we were both on right. the money because uh, we ended up I think uh, paying out the the bubble boy in that scenario. <laughs> uh, we we took a <laughs> not John Travolta <laughs> going around in his bubble. Uh, yeah, we ended up taking a vote when we got to I guess ten people and uh, decided that we were going to let the person that was going to not get any money at the very end uh get their buy-in back but that could have that you be you were very close to being the bubble boy there yeah i mean i was i was close to making the money but but by that point junior was running well he had gotten um he had gotten a big stack and am i remembering this right that you finished second yeah so what happened was when we got to the final three instead of you know playing it out we decided to chop uh, chop what was the remainder of the prize pool and then they did the chop based on chip percentage so when we uh tallied up all of our chip counts i ended up having the second highest amount of chips so the amount of money that i pulled from the prize pool that remained was whatever percentage of chips i had uh and the guy that had the most amount of chips in the chip leader was the person that got the trophy and got the picture um but i mean we were very very close so if had we played it out it could have gone either way yeah i think think me me and the chip leader were were pretty close to even the the guy in third uh ended up uh, probably benefiting the most from that because I think it yeah. would have been pretty quickly that he would have got knocked out because of how high the blinds were. If y'all had played it out, who? How much would the winnings have been for the winner? Well, it it would have. I, I forgot the exact amount, but when we did the chop, it was very close to what we would have finished with anyway had we actually played it out and oh, did okay. for second, third. So yeah. it, it wasn't I like I gave I, a lot of money up. I I made about six hundred and fifty bucks or seven hundred bucks for nothing, and <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, how long? I mean, you were there. You you were there for the entire amount of, of the tournament, which was I what, did about get 12, you a 10, hamburger on your break. I yes. did get you a hamburger. <laughs> That's a pretty yes. big tip. The, yeah. yeah. And the, uh, <laughs> the scenario that played out where Millerman was trying to take care of me while I was playing the, you know, the tournament, you know, taking pictures of me and getting me snacks and stuff on my, cause in a tournament like that, when they go on break, they, they're like 10 minute breaks and everybody makes a rush to the concessions to all of the restaurants. So it's not like you can just go, you know, have something to eat and then come come back there's not enough time for that so you really need somebody there to kind of you know help you you know get fed and things like that that was one of the instances also where i want to say we didn't even eat anything before we went to the tournament and i just i had a couple of packets of peanut butter crackers or something yeah and that was that was my breakfast and my lunch yeah and then eventually you got me some kind of breakfast sandwich or something uh after you had gotten knocked out but that that whole situation i i just experienced that on the other end when I was in Vegas this last time because uh, you know after the World Series of Poker stuff ended uh, one of the guys that was in our 15-man group uh, ended up entering uh, a tournament an $1,100 tournament at the Venetian uh, which was a three-day tournament uh, and when he got to the third day uh, I we were doing a lot of the things that you were doing for me Millerman you know on the breaks going and right. getting him snacks getting him drinks you know making sure he's okay if there was anything he needed you know uh, he was a smoker so we would always go with him smoking make sure he had lighters cigarettes whatever he needed uh and he finished first in that venetian tournament and won two hundred and forty thousand dollars. whoa and unfortunately none of us bought any <laughs> equity of his buy-in so he got to keep the mm-hmm. whole amount to himself you know obviously taxes is going to cut into that and things like that but you know he it's got a him, really man. really beautiful trophy and he, he actually got a check for the entire amount they gave 
them options. They could give them cash. They could do wire transfer. He chose the check amount. And what's really funny is uh, he had a backpack. He put the trophy and the check in a backpack. Uh, and we, we were stopped somewhere uh, before we went back uh, back to the Airbnb. He left that backpack and started walking off. One of the people in our group picked it up, but they didn't tell him <laughs> until we got maybe five minutes away from where we were. And then uh, one of us said, hey, didn't you have a backpack with you or something? <laughs> Man, his eyes bulged <laughs> like you could not believe. He turned around in shock. He's like, oh, shit. And he started running back. And then all of a sudden, the guy that had the backpack said, hey, 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 I got you covered, buddy. I got you covered here. You should probably, you know, maybe slice me off a couple of hundred for this. But I took, I ended up picking up your backpack. But yeah, wow. he almost left a $240,000 check and a Venetian first place trophy just sitting at some video poker. Now, <laughs> let me ask you, and, and just that's a bad call, right? Taking the check. I mean, wouldn't you do a wire transfer? Like if it's you. Don't I don't you know. It depends. I guess. It, I mean, I didn't know that details on what the wire transfer fees would be like maybe he took the check because there wasn't any additional fees associated with it versus doing a wire transfer nah bro give me the wire transfer pay a three percent fee yeah so you don't have to worry about losing a check or carrying cash yeah. around or any of that stuff yeah, yeah. i probably would have done it too i mean I, I would need to hear what the fees are if it's like a 10 or 15 percent nah it's fee, 3%. then yeah. you know i would second guess it, okay but... you're right yeah if it's 10 percent, of course then just if it's like an atm surcharge then right. I, I might go the check route, but I, I didn't right. hear the details when he went to the cage to get his or check. Give me cash. I can hire some. Uh, you had 15 guys with you. You could have gotten to a bank. I don't know that right. I want to take a, a bag of $240,000 through airport security. And have to lug <laughs> oh, that. no, that's I would have gone I mean, to a, a bank. A, I would have gone directly to a Vegas bank and just been yeah, like, 240 k is not a light bag carry. That's a pretty heavy, Heck heavy yeah. bag. You could have. I don't know that I would do the cash. Once you were on the plane, in the air, you could have just DB Coopered and woohoo hooed with the cash <laughs> out of the, the plane. <laughs> so, Junior Baines would never be found. Did that trip scratch your itch permanently for World Series of Poker, or because you didn't play in the big main event, are you still itching to go back and do that at some point? Now that I've had time to reflect, because after after our the entire experience, I was like, man, I am out of my league. These huh. World Series of Poker players are way better than me, even though I didn't feel like I. I made any really horrible decisions. I didn't bluff my money away stupidly or anything like that, but it felt like the players that were at, you know, at the tournaments and you know even in during the cash games, because, you know, even at cash games, I didn't really do very well. Uh, it, it just felt like a different level of play that I wasn't at. That said, uh, having had time to reflect, I still want to do it because I did not accomplish the goal of playing the main event. So I, I if they do it again next year, which I'm sure they will, I will probably do it again. Not, not only because of that, wanting to have that World Series of Poker main event experience, the entire experience in general was awesome. All of the guys that were there with me were awesome. The house was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Even when we weren't playing poker, we were having a great time. Um, I would go even if I wasn't playing the World Series of Poker just to hang out with that group again. So let me ask oh. a really stupid question. Like if you, you're talking about the guys that are such a high level of, of skill above where you are, is that something that's attainable through practice and repetition? Or is it like professional athletes, either you have the talent or you don't? 
I think it's something that could be learned through experience. But I mean, I'm going on 15 years of playing poker, and I don't know that I'm any better than uh, than you know the first couple of years that I started playing. You know, and and I've thought about that too. And I mean, it's honestly a good question, Bob. But Junior, to your point, it's like we're playing uh, beer league softball on the weekends. We're not dedicated and going to the batting cages and hitting every night and getting a coach and fielding like some of these guys are because a lot of these guys are um i mean they're 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 taking those solvers and they're studying yeah they're, 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 they've done the master know, classes they've done right. the one-on-one training like they, your buddy that won the 200k or whatever 300k i mean yeah is he, see, that, much, is he that much better than you that, are? i wanted to i wanted to bring that up because i think his win kind of gave us all hope that you know i mean the the, the guy that won he's a he's a very good poker player i play cash games with him you know on a weekly basis although he did a lot more dealing than playing so i think he gained a lot of experience gained a lot of learning how people will handle decision making just through dealing versus actually playing uh but i mean it didn't it whenever i play with him it it doesn't feel like he's at a completely different level and for him to have accomplished something like that you know i think gave us all a you know kind of the hope that hey if it can happen to him it can happen to any one of us um so i i didn't really feel that it's not something that i could attain through just more practice playing more hands the more hands you play in theoretically the more experience you have you know dealing with cards and situations the better your decision making will be and the better theoretically you'll be able to read other players read what their decision making is but i don't know it, it i sometimes it feels like you're getting better like in 2019 i felt like i had you know kind of reached a level to where you know i could go to any cash game and go to any cash room and do well but after this year it feels like i've demoted and taken a step back to where hey maybe i'm not as good as i thought you have the ebbs and flows in this game i mean it is regardless of regardless of whether you know the math regardless of whether you know the right play or not there is still a luck factor that's involved there there is and it just it's real and that's why there are swings and that's why even the best tournament pros if they're cashing in 25 percent of the tournaments that they play that's still 75 percent of the tournaments that they don't and so luck does play a factor in that and that that swing is that volatility is one of the things that can be frustrating for a lot of beginners but man when you have that beginner's luck or you have that that one big score like that it really can set you on fire to just want to continue to try to to try to attain that yeah like the, like the guy that won that tournament now moving forward he's probably going to play as many tournaments and cash games as he can because you know he's reached a level that a lot of other professionals haven't even attained and you you have that kind of big score you're kind of set to where you can you know set you know 50 grand aside just to play poker and just to get better and you know i am far from that level so millerman are you considering going and doing world series of poker at some point yeah i've always thought about it but i think like one of the things that i said is is i want to play some of those other games i want to play in the fifteen hundred dollar stud eight or better or the fifteen hundred dollar raz or um you know i they the 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 five thousand dollar horse tournament horses whole uh, you you change every every round uh every time the button goes around the table play around a hold'em omaha raz stud and then stud eight or better and i like said those mixed games like that i i've always found it to just it engages my brain it's one of those things where 
I feel like I'm really good at it. I feel like I'm better at some of those other variants than I am in Hold'em um, just because of the way my brain works. And I've, I've, I just love playing those games and I definitely want to do that. This year was a weird deal because the World Series of Poker is normally, it starts in late May and goes through July. And that's what's going to happen in 2022. They've set the schedule and it'll start in late May again and go through uh, July. And so it's going to be a different, a different ball game. Um, it'll be happening in, you know, six, seven months at this point. Too soon for me to be able to go in 2022, just because of some of the things that, that we have going um, next year, but I maybe 2023, I, I would love to go. Road trip. Sounds like a group, uh, group road trip in the That's outing. That's a long drive. If you mean by I flying, would... then well, yeah. Well, that's what yeah. I meant. That's I what I meant. Not, not a drive, <laughs> but I meant just going on a, uh, out of town. Um, yeah. Now, since we're talking gambling big picture, let's not only focus on poker. What other types of gambling do you guys enjoy? Obviously, Millerman, you do some of the sports betting, um, right? I'm I'm gambling right now by playing DraftKings, Daily Fantasy <laughs> Sports, and... Yeah, uh, if you count fantasy football, yeah. we're all kind of gamblers in a way. Yeah. yeah. I, I did win 750 bucks on Wednesday, so that's cool. Um, you had some kind of parlay? No, I I don't do sports betting. I, it's Daily Fantasy on DraftKings, and uh, I, I won or a guy, I came in third in a daily contest. So. Was it the Thanksgiving one or no? It was a, it was it was Wednesday. I won it on Wednesday before. And what yeah, games were a, on Wednesday? It was like basketball. Oh, okay. I was doing it on basketball. Uh, listen, I'm a degenerate, right? So I do <laughs> basketball, do a little hockey. Uh, you and Lyle, you you games. would have you would have loved the group that went to Vegas because that was basically the uh, the mantra the entire time. When I whenever somebody suggested doing something other than gambling like like i there was one night where i said hey you know it'd be fun Let, maybe we could go do karaoke or something like that <laughs> it's like why are you even bringing that we're degenerates we don't deal with right. non-gambling unless we're gonna bet on how well we sing there is no point in there has to be that money involve. on the line at all yeah. times. money on yeah. the line at all times right yeah see and I, I think i'm more balanced than that like i i obviously enjoy gambling but i enjoy doing like when i go to vegas i enjoy doing other things too outside of gambling like I'll, that's why you won't win two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. yeah I, absolutely <laughs> i am not committed enough to the gambling lifestyle to actually focus enough to do that and and i am very opposite of millerman in terms of playing non-hold'em because i mean i know how to play omaha and things like that but it my brain has to work too hard and so i don't omaha, like straining my brain omaha is like where peyton manning's always the dealer how does omaha, that work omaha omaha, omaha. <laughs> yes. so yeah i mean I do the daily fantasy sports. Um, you know, I'll I'll play a slot machine if I go. Will you to mix in blackjack, Millerman? You know what? That's the one thing that I am not I'm not good at. Like I I don't play blackjack well. But he I'll, plays like table poker and like three. Yeah, I play poker. like three card poker. I love me some three and, card poker. Yeah, you know, pie gal, you play that right? No, I don't play pie gal. Okay. Uh, Will you mix in some roulette? Some nah, craps? Craps? I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know how to play craps. I don't, I don't know either. how to play roulette. I don't know any of that stuff. When, so when I'm not Vegas, curious about some of the ones that you've never played before. I am, but I don't know if I'm curious enough to actually bet money on it. I've played them all, but whether I know how.
how to or whether I'm good at it or totally. <laughs> so you you relied on them to tell you whether you won or lost. That, yeah. That's one yeah, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. that's one yeah. of the things about table games and stuff like that. I I feel intimidated because since I don't know what I'm doing, I don't want the rest of the people at the table to be pissed off at me for holding the game up. Like if I go play blackjack and I don't double down or whatever when I'm supposed to, I feel like everybody's going to turn on me. Uh, I so I I rarely you always play double down on games. eleven, baby. You always yeah. double down on eleven. Now what the, about uh, what about slots? Is that just for old people and women? No, no. There's a ton of people that still play those slots, especially over at Choctaw and Windstar. Yeah, they're all in rascals with down. cigarettes dangling out of their mouth. Yeah, Fremont <laughs> is basically slot heaven over there. <laughs> That's uh, one good thing about Choctaw is they've opened up a very large non-smoking section. Um, yeah, because Shreveport is nothing but smoke non-stop. Yeah, most. I mean, most casinos are, and Windstar has a little non-smoking section, which is tiny, and but Choctaw has opened up a huge area that's non-smoking, and they've opened up a new poker room. Um, now, do we have any ETA, Millerman? You may know this on when the sports book is going to get cleared for Oklahoma because it's stupid. I, I know, like it's a, it was a, I guess a Supreme Court thing that overturned it to where it said any state can have a sports book. So why, if it, if gambling's legal, why can't it just be all gambling? Why do they have it separated out like that? not all states? I mean, hell, it's the reason we don't have it in Texas. No, I know, but like a state that already has legalized gambling, why can't they just now have sports gambling also? I don't understand how this works. The state legislatures make that decision. So yeah, I'm not yeah. a member of the Oklahoma State Legislature. Bob, once once Choctaw and Windstar open up sports books, so many road trips. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, because when, when you were asking us what other versions of gambling that we like, Bob, when you go to Vegas, that's pretty much all you do is yeah. sit in front of a sports book, uh, place all of these bets, and then rage up when they don't work out. <laughs> so so much much tell you. Well, I feel like <laughs> so it's the most... Defeat. It's the most cost-effective method of gambling. You put money down and spend three hours waiting on the result, watching the game. And if yeah, you- but now that it's now that it's so technically advanced, where you know, in, in a lot of these states where you can do it online, yeah, you can do in-game betting, bro. All if, the prop if, bets. If it was legal here and I could do in-game betting on my phone, oh, I mean, I already do that with these flash drafts. <laughs> like I'm Dude, drafting you, for quarters. You would be living be in a van down by the river if so he's so addicted to it yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean i'm a degenerate what do you want from me listen i don't drink i don't smoke i don't eat to excess much what do you do (laughs) millerman you don't drink you don't smoke what do you do i gamble dang it junior come on adam must be something inside I got it. I got it. I don't, know, it. I don't know what that is. Goody two shoes. Goody two shoes. Don't drink. Don't smoke. What, what do, do you do? Don't drink. Don't smoke. What Certain do do? situations follow. Must, Must be, be something, something inside. inside. <laughs> nope. I got nothing. How many does Adamant have? Like four? Yeah, four or five. Yeah. Are you okay. counting? Uh, now I can music? hear it. You yes, guys are just Adamant the ants and now solo Adamant. When you said Adamant, now I can hear it. I got it. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, Bob, yeah. give us some... Uh, Ant music. Ant music for ant people. Okay. Okay. So for those that don't know, and since we didn't do a good introduction in the beginning, Junior is one of the hosts of How Many? Yes. Nice opportunity for cross-promotion here. That really counts. That really counts. And one of the highlights of How Many, obviously, is our beautiful singing voices that we put on display on a routine basis. Uh, and n- nobody enjoys showing off their, their lovely pipes more than Bob. He basically dominates 
any and all sing-alongs when there is an opportunity. He loves showing off. And it, basically, all of our karaoke-eccentric episodes are basically 90% him, uh, unless somebody decides to talk over. If somebody else is singing, he will definitely speak up to ruin their karaoke. <laughs> all, all of it is Junior always pretending like he's never heard of a song. Like, oh, wait, how does that go, Bob? I've never heard that one before. In a lot of cases, I haven't heard it. I am, I am, I am definitely ignorant when it comes to music and lyrics at this point i need your help at all times bob you know there was a karaoke that stemmed or related to gambling when we did that variation on time of the season the zombie song <laughs> yeah the time of the season for gambling. <laughs> it's happening right now what's your name who's your rookie <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks to all of our listeners on this Beware. episode of <laughs> I mean it's pretty reliability. much just PD and suck a lot listening right now anyway <laughs> maybe angel yeah and that's that's one thing that I would I would love to get together because I don't think we've had enough P1 themed poker tournaments like there needs a to be a world series of P1 poker you guys need to have all of the luminaries now Millerman if we did that would you still want the 20 25% deal against every what if what if every P1 bought 25% of everybody else's equity for the entire tournament and we all just basically got our buy-ins back at the end <laughs> you know what you you know how you could sell it do it as a Finkley memorial that that's how you would guarantee participation 12 step it, well, 12 step the, do the it. yeah 12 step and his wife would organize the whole thing once we once we move back into some semblance the of the metroplex <laughs> yeah it'll be a little easier for me to participate in some of these things uh like i would like to play in the in the games that junior's talking about with the guys that took the trip to vegas i i'm a member of the online community with those guys but i would really like to play some of the cash games and tournaments and just just be more involved but yeah it's just too far millerman's just doing a nice way of saying he wants to take my money at the table <laughs> i'm a horrendous poker player I, i'm giving you an opportunity to to get your to get your 25 to get my 25 percent back yeah but yeah i would i would love like now that millerman brings up you know moving back to dallas uh if you would be so gracious as to host a poker tournament i am sure people would come in droves to uh to participate are you saying that people don't go out in droves for angel i mean when was the last time he hosted a poker tournament yeah i think dana put the kibosh i think yeah that. that was all pre-dana basically yeah nobody's nobody's going up north of 380 now, bro now our how many co-host Gary, he and Matt have a, a pad in the colony that has a finished garage or semi-finished garage that they've got set up as a it could be used as a poker room so that could be a potential because it's a semi-centralized location on that half of the metroplex the thing is though gary knows how to play poker and he's played tournaments with us before but he's not into it enough i think to well, and matt host. doesn't play at all like I, host. I don't know that he would be you know so enthusiastic to host when he's not really involved you know directly hey, in it. as long as PD's playing, Gary's not going to finish last. <laughs> right? And you say that, but, you know, PD had a very, very good run of about, what, one or two weeks where he was bragging about how much money he won until he, he got into the dip phase 
and uh, all of a sudden, you know, the gods are against him. Oh, I can't, I can't win for losing, and I'm always getting my hand, my uh, pocket aces are getting cracked every hand. You know, I can't win anything, and that's that's basically the life of a poker player. You have, you know, a week where you're like, man, I just came away with fifteen hundred in three sessions. To I just lost three grand in two, you know, two hours or something stupid like that. Yeah, and so and it for somebody like PD who I think is a little short on patience and has uh, has uh, and. <laughs> As well as a little short on height. Yes, and that too. <laughs> but we've all seen him turn tomato red before when things did not go his way at the poker. Like game. at one of so, Angel's tournaments, you were yes. you were egging him on. Yeah. So for him to have a run like that is basically asking for tables to get overthrown and chips to be. So fine. is he the kind of guy that would be a good target for Big Dave to bully when he'd do that initial initial? Yes, blind? but Big Dave had a very similar temperament he could very easily be tilted and rage up he actually uh i did see him at one of uh thomas holston's games pick up a table and <laughs> push it you know above his head and have all the chips fly everywhere so he went he full so we upset. didn't start the fire yes absolutely and uh i i have so it's not like he was the most patient and you know even tempered person at the poker table either millerman so, have you ever flipped a table no i don't believe it. i've i have <laughs> never flipped a table but that is because i am the most easygoing and even-tempered person that you've ever met. Now you are about to flip. My a patience property. knows no bounds. <laughs> Millerman is about to flip a property when he when they move from uh, Granbury, but not a table. Junior, I saw some of those. You talked about your 2020, and I saw some of those bad beats online that you had. Um, I, in fact, I put some of those bad beats on you, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, online poker is is so much more difficult because obviously you're not getting any reads from anybody. You're all you're doing is is the math and your decision making is all based on okay how many outs do i have you know how many chances do i have to get the card i need and it anytime you make a decision where you get your money in good i i, I don't know why but online it feels like the the amount of bad beats is three times the amount of live poker and i know everybody says well it's because you're seeing more hands and you know the game is faster paced so the odds are that you're going to experience one of those bad beats you know more often but i don't know man it just feels like sometimes it the whatever app you're using or whatever game you're playing online it it predetermines ahead of time okay this person is going to have a good night and i'm going yeah. to make sure of it by giving them every out possible runner yeah, runner I, doesn't I, matter there, there are definitely times where i have felt the same way there's no question about it i just i you you, <laughs> you start to see patterns you start to see oh well it's it's going to come a four flush because it's time for a four flush and just stuff like that yeah and and I guess if you play long enough and you play enough hands, it will eventually even out. I just didn't have the patience to keep feeding the coin machine to get to the point where I could feel like I was going to break even. I need you to get signed back up. I need more of your money. <laughs> I'm you. sure you do. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, I and I still have. Uh, I still play online on uh, Poker Brothers, which is the the app and the group that I went to the people with Vegas with. But I play very low stakes. I haven't actually deposited money into that account. And since, you know, to 2020, I'm just basically living off of the free roll tournaments. Uh, and anytime I cashed in those, yes, I, that's the league I play in. Uh, he, Millerman is showing a screenshot of the Hammer League tournament or Hammer <laughs> League room. 
but yeah, uh, I, I have vowed not to deposit any more money into that account. I have about $100 just in free roll money that I've won in some of the tournaments that have gone on. But once that runs out, I have no desire to, because I that's what really did me in in 2020 is I, I kept thinking, okay, well, I'm going to deposit another 100 and eventually I'm going to break even. And that break even point never came. I could yeah. have, I could bat beat somebody 30 times and probably not get to the break-even point of what I felt the luck factor was going to shift in my direction, and I, I just right. don't—I just don't feel the same when it comes to, to in-person poker. Like if I experience a bad beat in person, I, it just feels more legit to me than than the online. I've experienced—I've experienced both online and live my share of getting a bad beat put on me and putting a bad beat on somebody. Like it just happens because luck plays a portion of it, right? Sometimes I have made what I thought was the correct move turns out somebody had a better hand and i sucked out on them it happens yeah and i'm I just, okay with it it just, you know it, I, just I, I really and on, and honestly i i know it's happened but the times where i've sucked out against somebody else i i can't even remember them and i know that's probably mainly because you you remember the losses more than you ever remember the exactly. wins but exactly. it, it it really feels like when i lose a hand either i made a bad decision and i was and i was behind from the beginning or uh I had the best hand and uh, somebody ended up getting the card they needed to beat me when I had all my money in good. But I, I can't, I, I honestly cannot recall the, the amount of times that I went in behind, you know, and ended up getting the cards I needed to come out ahead, whether it be flush draws, straight draws. Uh, I, it just doesn't, I can't think of any like it. it I mean, there it, are times where I've got Kings and I get it all in and somebody has aces and I catch a King. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been cooler before nope. like that, but I just can't think of the time where I hit, you know, I hit trips on somebody that had a higher hand than me pre-flop or things like that. And and a lot of this is all during all-in moments. Like, obviously, there will be instances where there's betting going on up until the river and I stayed in and eventually hit my card. But it wasn't it wasn't a situation where we were both all in right. and we showed our cards. It was a showdown moment. Yeah, and- I'm talking about your all-in pre-flop and, and, you know, I've got kings he's got aces and I catch a king on the flop or a king on the river. And I've got zero problem when that happens because it happens to me. Yeah. Because it, it, it evens out. It's just, well, I, what, what, I, what happened to you? What happened to you uh, the other night? Yeah. So I was playing, uh, you know, one of those bar free roll tournaments. So it, it didn't sting as much as it could have, but uh, yeah, this was probably the third or fourth hand of the tournament. I mean, the blinds are like one, 200 and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I pre-flop raise with pocket aces, you know, may I make it, you know, maybe three, or four times the blind the person comes over the top you know makes a huge raise maybe you know you know you're going, five right, times my bet on the line and i'm like okay <laughs> this guy's got kings got queens or ace king something ridiculous like that and i was like okay i'm gonna go all in because i think this person's gonna call you know no matter what they have and uh sure enough we had the same hand we both had aces so it's like okay you assume pre-flop aces it's probably 99 percent of the time going to be a chop lo and behold first three cards are clubs so it's like this person is free rolling at this point <laughs> with with their flush draw and then the river comes and the and the flush hits and like that that was that is listen kind of a, the mean, epitome of how my year has gone he was double suited what are you gonna do you can't blame well, him i that. was double suited too like <laughs> it, it was it, i was gonna say go ahead finish up junior yeah i was gonna say it, it, things like that can become so discouraging when when it's a consistent thing like that where even where you feel like i'm going to break 
break even on this hand and still end up losing somehow by miracle are the yeah. things that make people quit poker, to be honest with you. Now, For in sure. that instance, you know, I didn't lose any money. What do I care? You know, it was a free roll. And, uh, you know, they had opportunities to to rebuy by just by buying a drink or something. You'll get you'll get more chips out of it or something like that. So but had I lost that kind of hand, you know, in a cash game, with, you know, three or four hundred dollars on the line, you know, you really think twice about when do I really want to keep feeding the feeding the monster here and throwing money away when things are not going my way. It, it's the struggle that every poker player has. And it, like like Millerman says, it, it ebbs and flows. Excellent, excellent discussion on gambling. Before we wrap up, Junior, tell everybody how they can follow you and how they can follow how many. Well, you can reach me on Twitter at Mexican underscore Junior. Uh, you can also email me if you want to give me feedback on how shitty of a poker player I am. <laughs> uh, Junior at gmail.com. Uh, like Bob said, uh, he and I are part of the How Many Crew, uh, which is another podcast where we've actually done an episode on gambling and movies, uh, poker movies in the past. So if anybody's interested in that, go find that episode. Uh, that is going to be at How Many Podcasts on Twitter. HowManyPodcasts.com is where all of our episodes are and all of our archives. You can email us at HowManyPodcasts at gmail.com as well. Thank you so much. Take it away, Ramblin' Roy. This is Ramblin' Roy Miller reminding you to keep it country and so long for now. Pausable Deniability is a production of Lukewarm Tallboy Studios. Oh, Mike.